Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Oh, hello, everybody. This is uh, Tim Montgomery with New Cyber Frontier, your host. Um, today, um, we actually have a special guest. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Hey. Everybody doing knows good. on the side of uh, being one of the hosts for New Cyber Frontier. However, Chris uh, does a lot more than that, don't you, Chris? There's a ton of stuff there. So... Um, Particular things I know I've been engaged with you with is in uh, the IEEE Digital Privacy. I mean, Chris, he's actually the uh, not only the CEO for BlockFrame, which is a blockchain company, a use of blockchain and technologies for privacy, cybersecurity, and the internet, but also uh, chair with um, the Digital Privacy Security IEEE Initiative. Uh, he's also chair for the Initiative for Security and Privacy within well, publications, author, He's also an inventor. Invented. I have to talk to you about that. Um, co-founder of the blockchain development community, which is where I kind of met up with him at. He was he was a he was a professor for CTU as well. So, and uh, he probably still teaches. It's just kind of a thing for us when we do that, right? Um, yeah. What else are you here? Uh, you got an interesting bio. So, the information in the in the uh, IEEE, um, you talk about really blockchain the state of uh, uh, Colorado legislation. You did a big part for that for Trust Chain. Um, you're the host here. And what else you got? Research papers, specific uh, Northwest and uh, national laboratories that has to do with utility companies and power and renewable energy and resources, uh, which there's a laboratory here in Colorado that we support a lot of uh, their initiatives uh, for the grid. Um, Wow, uh, there's an initiative going for that type of research among several universities. Um, you're certified as an information security professional, among all things, uh, by the International Information uh, System Security Certifications. Uh, that's a SISM, that's a right? That's what they refer to it as. So um, what else is there? I and mean, there's a ton of stuff here. I could go like all day with you. Uh, <laughs> certified project manager. Uh, 25 years in the industry plus, 25 plus years, uh, designing cryptic, uh, cyber cryptic uh, application, cyber physical embedment systems, which is where your SCADA, your I ICS, those types of things, and get into internet of things, those types of things that are embedded. Um, you work with uh, secure supply chain for several years for leading with leading manufacturers. So you got a very good understanding comprehension of how the supply chain and the impact for cybersecurity. Um, you actually were an engineer, nuclear engineer, so once upon a time that was in the Navy, which uh, usually it's, it's something I guess most of us start out at. You start one of those things early in your life and you end up with what we do today, right? So it's kind of how it works. So what else are you in? It's been several years in academia as a director for cybersecurity programs with CTU, that's, that's where we picked up. Uh, you hold a bachelor's degree in engineering, a master's in business administration, 
a master's in computer science and uh, computer systems security four from CTU. And you got, uh, let me see, your PhD, you're working on that or you more than likely have it. We're, we're on the cusp, I think, right? But PhD in cybersecurity engineering at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, uh, engaging several communities. We do this often. He does a lot of speaking events. He, um, oh man, I don't know what to say about you. You're, you're doing, so, I yeah. think, I think I, I should get to talk here at some point, but uh, you keep going. I'm, I'm liking this. Yeah, when you compare the two, I start to think that I'm not doing enough. <laughs> and so, I would know that wouldn't be true. You you do a lot yourself there, Tim. So, so well, welcome. And uh, there's just, uh, you know, just the, I guess we'd say 60 out of 100 things that you do. Uh, so um, such a long introduction, but I think it's... Uh, Justin do considering uh, we just introduced you as the host uh, a lot of times. So you don't get too much recognition except for being the person on the talking in for these hosts uh, for these uh, podcasts. So in this turn, it's your, it's your turn, right? So, so good. Yeah. I think we're up at our sponsor break though. So we're, yes, we are on our sponsor break. So let's see, as we come back this time, we'll have to take a break here. So as we come back, we will start talking about the topics uh, reference to cybersecurity relation to trust, the, the Trinidad, the CIA. So uh, I know it took a while to get Chris's uh, record out there, but uh, I think it was worth it. So we will take a short break and we'll be right back with you. BlockFrame technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Okay, welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery, and I've got my special guest, Chris Borak, good friend. Um, and of course, before the break, you heard basically... Uh, just about three quarters of what he does. Um, so, but the topic really that we're here to talk about, Chris, uh, on top of uh, all your experiences and things that drive what we're really the subject topic um, is trust within the within cybersecurity and the uh, use of or cybersecurity relationships to that trust within the internet, the CIA, the the, the confidentiality, integrity, and the availability that Trinidad that we use to validate our uh, vulnerability and risk assessments. Um, and some of the uh, paradox with today's trust in the internet. So referencing the internet itself, when you think about mm -hmm. that, how many individuals would you say interface every day, every moment, billions? I'm, I'm, you know, what do you think? Just Well, you know, in, in, in my research lately, we've been scaling of of what it, how big is the internet some of the some of the numbers say that there's about 52 million routers ouch that's just the routers that's not the endpoints and the people on the computers at their homes at their offices using them that's just the infrastructure yeah so interfacing human wise there has to be we'll call it a relationship 
right? So relationships with devices that interact with the internet and that relationship has to, usually relationships are built on some form of trust, right? So human interaction with, I'd say computers, your phone, you get in the car and what does it do? It's connected. Uh, if you go down and you have to do license renewal at the machine that's at the grocery store, uh, if you use the scanner at the grocery store to buy your groceries, interact with every device that has to interact with something as far as conducting transactions across the internet, right? This giant hodgepodge of related devices that talk to each other. So I guess from, from a standpoint of understanding for trust, um, the relational concepts among humans to interface the devices, I guess it comes down to the subject of uh, more of the psychology of things, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, if I, if I say, where do I want to start with when I discuss this, this is what I do for, for my dissertation work. Um, and uh, in looking at kind of the, the implementation of trust, where is it most important? The end note is, I mean, Tim talked about a lot of things with the internet, but the end importance where it becomes the most critical. And the reason we haven't solved the problem of critical infrastructure security is we have to trust millions of devices that don't have a human attached to them. And that is the point where trust in my assessment becomes the most important and it's yet largely unsolved. So we, we talked the last, last week, I think we, we released one. You'll, you'll, you'll hear right before this one, a show on, on trust and what the government's doing. But as Tim said, there's a psychology and a human part behind it. And that's what we had to start with when we had to unpack trust and say, how can we, from the ground up, make a way to solve this problem of there's millions of people, millions of systems. There's no way we could shake all their hands and know them all. So we have to have a method of digitally understanding trust. And how does that relate? But first, we have to understand the human aspect of trust and how you, trust impacts our psychology. You know, if we think back to the early days of humans. Um, there's some work that says the optimal tribe is 30 people. And that's the psychology of all the jobs in society for a hunter-gatherer society. There was about 30 of them. And when tribes got to more than 60 families having those two of each different type of jobs, they would split. And tribal for thousands of years would stay at 30 different jobs. There's 30 different jobs in a tribe. Yeah. And as a human, we can relate to knowing how to trust that many people very easily. Because what trust is, is our memory of how people have treated us over time. And we assess that just from knowing your neighbor's been good to you or your neighbor's been fighting with you about the fence line for five years and how many instances has he brought up a problem. That all relates to our trust for that individual and the psychology behind time interaction with others is where trust gets its rooting. But we as humans then infer that to a bigger pieces because we have learned over time the most effective humans learn how to trust more than 30 people. How many people can you remember all the different interaction points with so you can gain, gain a trust relationship? How big can your village get? And that's why the leaders in our history or the people that were exceptional at this factor at being able to understand more and keep in their mind how many and how to trust larger and larger amounts of people. 
Because as soon as they stop trusting or not being able to trust somebody, that's the faction that would splinter off. And yeah. that's it, you, if you don't know how to keep ahead of that. And that's what leadership was about. So in order to do that, we started referencing trust inferred from others. So if somebody trusts a group of 20 people and we trust them, then we can expand our trust to that 26 people, the person we know, and it's or 22, one people, the person we know, and there are 20 other people they trust. And that deference of trust is where we start to build from. Um, and in the digital world, we, you know, even in the business world, we'll say, we'll start there. We learn to defer trust to a group of people that all represent each other based on trusting their leadership or trusting a trusted entity component, somebody you know in it or some faction of it or some way they do business, which is why we trust big companies. We trust organizations. And now almost the scary social thing is we trust organizations more than individuals. And this is the part that when we had to analyze how to implement trust, we had to start looking at this piece that people trust an organization and will, because an organization influences them, even cut their closest friends. You see this all the time in, uh, we'll say, government organizations, religious organizations, uh, clubs and organizations where if the organization has an idealistic and a close friend doesn't fit that anymore, we will rely on the trust of the organization over the person almost every day. And why is this? Because the people in the history of our human race that did this survived time. And so this trait was passed on because if you trust the organization, you trust the more people, you are have more chance of surviving. And passing your genetics on. So, so spinning that yeah. set, a computer interface, though, yeah, that relational piece to the trust where humans trust what's behind the screen and where it's going, how it's interconnected to what do you say, 75 million routers? Yes. So, how do you get the organization you trust? Is it the computer? Is it the network? It's all gone beyond these sizes that the human can fathom. So yeah. we struggle for trust. And what do we do? We latch on to organizations. We trust Amazon. We trust Microsoft. We trust Facebook almost explicitly. We give them everything. We sign, we click without questioning. And, <laughs> and, um, and because we're reaching for this thing that's worked for humans for thousands of years to trust a big organization, because that's how you know you're going to be taken care of. If you trust the leader that comes in, even though he killed off all your people, your people, if you trust him and get on board, your genes get passed on because you survive. Yeah. And that trust is, is kind of now non-existent. The ability to trust an organization is really a, sometimes a, a, a fancy talking leader in that organization that gets his face on TV and knows how to, to say the right thing or knows how to follow why do we trust generals that come out of the military and talk about cybersecurity? I, a lot of times I don't have them on the show because they all say the same thing and they learn their leadership style from learning how to make decisions on the fewest amount of information points. That's how you become a leader in the military. Yeah. And by doing that, they, they're just not meeting the mark. 
for the cybersecurity world, for the millions and millions of devices out there. Let me pick three things and I'll make my decision based on those. They're just off the mark so many times that I discontinue. I say, don't listen to military, ex-military leaders in cybersecurity. It's not, they don't represent our best interests. But I think you have a break coming up here. Yeah, I know it's coming up. <laughs> it's all good. Um, well, it's an interesting topic. So um, let's take a break. And uh, as we come back, we'll pick up from there uh, with uh, Chris Borog and uh, Trust. So let's take a break. Blockframe technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery. I'm here today with my special guest and friend, uh, Chris Gorog. We were referring back to trust, the concept of trust and the psychology behind human trust, uh, those traits that basically has embedded us since, uh, you know, 100 generations or more, right? So the concept with that is to earn that trust and you move it into the interface of a, of a computer. Let's, let's say that's interfacing to organizations and that type of trust. And we start to learn how that trust only goes so far um, and the existence of that trust. And there are certain prospects of that leadership within those organizations that you really have to have uh, a concern for when it comes to cybersecurity and the perspective of trust within uh, the realm of cybersecurity. Um, you know, I think I've been in the military, so the concept behind that, we do, we do relentlessly follow something. I know that uh, in a lot of my uh, actions and things in the military, when we had a, when we had a mission uh, to execute um, the boots on the ground, we were trying to follow just the uh, orders that, that were given to us in the best way we knew how. Um, it is amazing how it comes together and the trust factors that you have for the smaller groups of individuals. So I, I understand you know, what you were saying uh, before the break was uh, about how they break off into groups and each group have to have trust. And that extends to their friends and so on and so on, right? This is the whole conversation mm-hmm. piece. You tell two and they tell four and so on and so yeah. on. So it gets trended. So there has to be a trust factor there even for conversations. Um, well, mm-hmm. but what about machine to machine type of conversations? So we talk yeah. about the idea of trust. So we're not talking, you know, we remove the idea of humans. However, the machine was created by the human, right? So mm-hmm. the relationship between machine to machine traditionally is would be different because they're machines. However, uh, the creator is the human. So, I mean, how does yeah. that factor trust together? Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a good lead in because, you know, the, the direction of now I define human psychology, human trust before the break, I might've thrown out a controversy quote that says, Hey, don't, we don't, we need to stop listening to, to the generals. And it's because of the connection of human to digital that I said that. And why? Because their history of th- battles, war, handling handling um, large scale uh, problems is about a very human centric 
everything is geared around how to throw more people into the breach to solve the problem. Yeah. Okay. In the digital world, now we go to how do we connect that to the digital world? The 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 the, re, the direction that they've taken and that whole information security is let's have more people monitoring computers. Let's have more software running in different locations to watch everything. And let's have a big, now let's get some AI and some smarts to start coordinating them all. Let's yep. throw all the information at everybody and get everybody involved. Everything is about throwing more people into the breach. The technology though, we have every computer in the world operating seamlessly on one network. You don't know the difference. You don't know that it's multiple networks in there. The technology approach is to minimize and make it easier and have less people. Yeah, they are going the opposite direction. They're trying to monitor everything, doing what basically can be associated to surveillance. Let's surveil everything. The more surveillance you do, though, the more you're interacting with your other surveillers, mm -hmm. the more interfaces, and it's an exponential growing problem yeah. that doesn't solve from more surveillance in the internet. We need to simplify and unify like we have with the internet itself where there's only one network, even though there's millions of people attached to it, it all seems like one thing. How do we simplify to that category? And that's really where the bridge needs to start. We can't trust a million people out there if they're all just on the network at an even playing field. We have to start having organizations. We have to start having groupings and a way to know how and who we trust without everybody monitoring everybody and causing way more traffic that we can't monitor because the traffic increases as we increase the monitoring. So yeah. you just can't solve the problem by adding to the problem. Um, but we have to say, how do we link? And it starts with linking our digital trust and our virtual, our people. Uh, what is it that we already know about cybersecurity? And if you if you start looking at your your pretense, your confidentiality, integrity, availability, how do we make trust for confidentiality? Yeah. How do we make trust for integrity? How do we trust availability? And start saying we need to have simple ways to do that. And when you look at confidentiality, there's two big pieces in it. And we talked on a show a couple ago with uh, Stefano Zanero and myself about how confidentiality really contains privacy and authentication. We just lump it all into confidentiality, but it's really setting privacy controls and then determining who has access to them. Mm -hmm. And you can break that up. If you break that apart, you can implement trust on privacy and trust on, on privacy. So how well you suppress information and trust on authentication, how you keep people authenticated over time. And I remember back before the break, I said, time, is how we do how tr is the difference in trust. So if we know that we kept information private for five minutes. We have suppression trust for five minutes. If we kept if we kept a user authenticated and we reauthenticated them over five minutes, we have trust of of um, of the human over five minutes. And we there's names and categories for each of these. Sure, but you have to add the trust piece. And that's only in confidentiality. So if you go to integrity, the other, the second of the CIA triad, integrity has two pieces as well. It's the integrity of data, which is just this blob of data, 
But yeah. the integrity of the human action on and to around the data, and that's called non-repudiation, where we prove the human and what they've done. And you can also have a time value in those. You can have integrity for five minutes that you can prove, then you know you have integrity trust. You can have non-repudiation of the people involved with transactions for the last five minutes if they're continuously doing something or five years. And we, you see what we're getting to is now we have the trust of the human doing the action. So with these kind of connections, we can start making how we do trust in the virtual sense, but very simply. And what, you know, in the other, the other method of the triad, the availability, you know, I would argue that's where we spend 90% of our time in cybersecurity in monitoring whether it's available or not monitoring the network, monitoring the, the user, all our monitoring is in whether we, the, the network's available, the information's available, the person is able to access it. All these is where we spend our time. Um, and difficult at best to tell anything other than what's gone wrong. In availability, we only know we're not doing it. We don't know the positive of it. Like I just explained the four positives of trust. And we know if we don't have one of those met, that it was one of them not met. But with availability, we run into this problem. And that's what we've been fighting with cybersecurity for so many years is the availability issue. Um, but all that being said to kind of gear towards now, if we can start implementing trust, the pieces of cybersecurity over time, and applying it to larger scale, to trust technologies that cover distribution of trust. And that's what, when Tim said earlier, I have a company, a startup, we've been working with what people know as blockchain, the basis of cryptocurrency. We use it as distributed ledger, which is a little bit bigger picture, using the technology not to distribute money, but distribute trust these components I just talked about in trust. Now we can distribute them across the different components on the internet and simplify that to one thing instead of one distributed ledger that all works together and distributes trust instead of a million people surveilling the internet and a million applications running and everybody putting information into large pots so we can all share what went wrong in information sharing platforms. That no matter what we do, the more we do it, the more information there is and the less we can handle it. So you turn around to start saying, let's solve the technological problem by linking it to the human dynamic of it and the human needs. And nowhere is this more important than in critical infrastructure where all those devices out there don't have a human sitting behind them. We have limped along with the PCs and the, 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 the information security where it's people sitting behind a screen because people manage their information, manage their accountability, manage their login, manage their passwords, manage their own network, have a vested interest in that. But as soon as we go to that, there's 10 times as many computers on poles in your neighborhood than there is in people's offices, where and how do we trust those? We don't have a good solution. And that's where these technological linking that we described of bringing trust down to the technological error, the simplicity of it, instead of mass surveillance, 
um, is is the most crucial, critical, most crucial. You know, in that machine to machine where we cut people out of the loop. Um, and we've done that so far to date through surveillance, right? We put a camera in all these stations all over the place where there's no people, right? Yeah. Well, you can't see a, you can't see a cyber attack. You, you can watch that machine all day, and the hacker comes in, does whatever he's going to do, and that light's still blinking. Blink, <laughs> blink. You can't tell that the, the attacker was in there. No. So physical surveillance of machines that we can't be at is is doesn't work either. Locks, big fences, more walls, surveillance has been the only thing we have to date, but we're moving towards that. So, you know, I've been doing all the talking here, Tim, your thoughts on, 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 on where, where it is and in, in this connection. Yeah, I, 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 I can understand where we're going with the, the idea of trust. So uh, the concept of blockchain coming in and being able to, at least have a measure of regularity when it comes to trust itself, uh, bouncing off things. The physical aspect of it, not being able to surveil everything, you are actually cluttering the traffic in uh, the internet by having more and more monitoring effects uh, attached to the, the whole of the internet. So I can see how it muddies the water. It's hard if you just, if you're pushing out tons and tons of information, it's it's the same thing as a uh, misinformation or disinformation uh, campaign almost. You don't know mm -hmm. which one which one is actually the rogue one. Um, Relevance. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I can see where these types of things, they start muddying the water, really. Uh, the internet is already cluttered with things. We need to figure out how to come back to some solidarity. Some, yeah. Yeah, a system of trust that literally um, has a nice, has a platform has its own uh, sense of itself as far as trust mechanisms um, and, and can actually be, uh, you know, accurately um, the dynamics of it. So it can expand and collapse as, as the internet takes on whatever new uh, entity it has or is, will become. So yeah, those yeah. things totally with the concepts, but I think we're hitting our two minute warning here, Chris. So. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll relinquish to you and we can, we can pick up more in another, another time. I know. Yeah, we have we'll have more shows on on this linking on different uh, uh, technologies, but also on just kind of educating the users on what we've seen. We've talked to we've talked to almost 400 people on shows over the last eight years now. Yeah. And we've been looking for the you know, where where the industry is going. What is the, the greatest minds? What do they have to say? How are they approaching this? Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of that indexing is is paying off where we now have some direction that we're going to start presenting to you about, you know, what the future might look like. So stand by, keep coming back. I'm going to have more of these uh, look forward to and uh, reach out, ask any questions you'd like to. Um, always happy to, to engage with the listeners. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Chris. Also the, the idea of zero trust. I know the, uh, there's an executive order that came out. So that's, that's going to be an interesting concept. We, we should probably cover that in uh, at least one or two. Yeah, we'll cover that in another show, I think. Yeah, yeah that's probably going to be a better idea. Okay, well, that's it for us. Uh, Chris, thanks for being on. Uh, thanks for your insight. Uh, yeah, got a lot of things you're doing there, always, it seems like. I'm always interested to hear what the next story is, where you've been, and what, uh, who, who, what, when, and where, for, as far as those uh, stories when we talk. So uh, I greatly appreciate that. So that's it for us. 
at New Cyber Frontier. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.